On Thursday of this week, I was uh, the chaplain to two patients who were actively dying. And although, although the patients were dying for different reasons, uh, their families' responses were, were nearly identical in that they did not want to discuss death. They did not want to discuss the process of death. They did not want to acknowledge the imminent arrival of death. The family's responses to death were not unique in that the responses from what I have encountered throughout my life in ministry and uh, fulfilling the role as a chaplain is that people don't want to deal with death. They don't want to talk about death. Yes, we acknowledge death when it happens, but we never linger with death. We hold no space for real conversation of death and substance. We don't deal with it, we deny it, we avoid it. No one wants to die, yet you're all going to die. Understandably so, the death of a loved one at times is too real and too painful. Our own death is, well, frightening. The relationships and parts of our lives that have died or are dying are sometimes too difficult to acknowledge. Change is hard. So for the most part, we avoid the topic of death. And let's be honest, it's a real Debbie Downer moment, especially in this culture that doesn't often want to deal with reality, that doesn't often want to acknowledge aging, that doesn't often want to acknowledge the process, the journey of, of life. There's no filter for death. I suspect the Greeks in today's gospel certainly didn't go expecting to talk about death with Jesus. They just wanted to see him. And who can blame them? At that point in his ministry, Jesus was on a roll. He was the man. He was. He had cleansed the temple, turned water into wine. That in itself, miraculous. He had healed a little boy, he'd fed 5,000, he'd given sight to the blind, and he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, he was the man. Who wouldn't want to see him? Of course, I don't know why they wanted to see him, but I know the desire. There are times in my own life when I have desperately wanted to see Jesus. And I suspect that that's true for you too. Seeing Jesus makes it all real. After all, seeing, they say, is believing. And so we all have our reasons for wanting to see him. I suspect if you, if you want to know your reasons, all you have to do is, is look at your prayer life. Oftentimes, our prayer life is our to-do list for God. I remember as a little boy praying every season that my soccer team would win because, well, that was important. And I remember as a little, as a uh, young adult or teenager, I guess, 
in college, praying I would get accepted into graduate school. And then, a little later in life, I was praying that I would, would pass my ordination exam, that I'd be ordained, that I would build a church. And then, when Simeon and Ezekiel died, I prayed that God would take the pain away. You probably know those kind of prayers. Prayers on our terms. Prayers that speak about what we want, what we need. Prayers about how we want to encounter God in life, which reflect how we really want to see Jesus. Oftentimes, we never really want to face the pain and the losses of life. We don't want to acknowledge death in whatever form it comes. Sometimes we want something from Jesus more than we actually want to see him. Of course, there is a real danger in that mentality because we might become consumers of God's life rather than participants in God's life. We pick and choose what we like and want, but we skip over and leave behind what we do not like, what we do not want, and what we do not understand. And that's not an option. Sorry. Christianity is neither a buffet nor a spectator sport. Christianity means participating in the life, the death, underscore, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus sets before the Greeks who want to see him. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. So you want to see Jesus, right? That's the right answer. <laughs> For those of you afraid to like, just nod your head. <laughs> if you want to see Jesus then you have to look death in the face. To the extent you refuse to acknowledge the reality of death, to the, to the degree that you avoid or deny death, you also refuse Christ. Period. There is always a temptation to skip over death and just get to resurrection. However, you can't get to resurrection without death. So it's no coincidence that this week and last week and the week to come points us towards death, reminds us of death. Death is a threshold to new life. Death always comes first. You can't have Easter Sunday without a death. And death is always, is not always physical. Oftentimes it is more spiritual and emotional, the deaths that we encounter day to day. And we die a thousand deaths every day. 
They have the death, deaths of relationships, marriages, hopes, dreams, careers, health, beliefs. Regardless of what it looks like, it is not the end. Resurrection is always hidden within death. There can be, however, no resurrection without a death. <clears throat> to the extent that you avoid death, you also avoid life. To the degree to which you are afraid to die is the degree to which you are afraid to fully live. Every time we avoid or turn away from death, we proclaim death to be stronger than God, more real than life, and the ultimate victor. <clears throat> the unspoken fear and avoidance of death underlies all of our what-if questions in life. You know, the what-if questions. What if I fail? What if I lose? What if I fall down? What if I get hurt? What if I don't get what I want? What if I lose that one person that I need most in this world? What if? Every what-if question separates and isolates us from life, from God, from one another, and from ourselves. What if keeps us from bearing new life? It holds us back. We are just a single grain of wheat. Of course, you might survive, but are you really alive? Jesus did not ask to be saved from death. He is unwilling to settle for survival when the fullness of God's life is before him. He knows that in God's world, strength is found in weakness. Victory looks like defeat. And life is born out of death. This is what will allow him to ride triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey where he knows he will be condemned and killed. That is what allows us to ride triumphantly through life. Triumphant doesn't mean that we get our way or we avoid death. It means that death is a threshold, not a prison, in the beginning and not an end. Regardless of of who or what in your life has died. God in Christ has already cleared the way forward. We have a path to follow. You have a path to follow. You have a choice to make. The path is the path of death, the death of Jesus. Jesus' death, however, is of no benefit to us if we are unwilling to submit to death physically, spiritually, emotionally. Ultimately, death, in whatever way it comes to us, 
means that we entrust all that we are and all that we have to God. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. Grains of wheat, that is what you are. And through death, you have the possibility to become the bread of life. But you have to make that choice to follow that path. Thanks be to God. Amen.